Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Yeah. Between the hedges, look it fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fly. fly. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. We are the we are the uh, best podcast, the best Georgia podcast around. So if you haven't seen us, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Believe in Dogs. Follow me at Coach Burton thirty six, and follow my co host Israel Troop at Troopstar twenty eight. Israel, what's up, man? What's going on? Uh, coming off a, a pretty good signing day here. I'm at my school in Bellwood. I had my, my quarterback went to West Georgia, uh, playing for the great David Dean, who has won multiple championships now here at Boston State. He's now at West Georgia. And my tight end signed with uh, Georgia Southern yesterday. So uh, very happy coach. And congratulations to all the signees uh, for National Signing Day and uh, to, the, to the new dogs, which we'll get into. Uh, welcome to the family. Absolutely. Yeah. Yesterday was uh, the original national signing day uh the one that everyone used to look forward to now now it's the one in december and this one's kind of irrelevant except for a small handful of stars and then of course now it's being dominated by getting huge commitments from the 2022 class as georgia's gotten in the last week or so with gunner stockton and and now uh bear alexander however and we'll get into that more when we when we uh, break down uh, our signing day segment here in just a little bit. But first, uh, our show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Guess what, Israel? The Super Bowl is here, and you can get in all you can get in in all the action at BetOnline.ag. So, Super Bowl. Uh, what what are we thinking? Are, are you are you on the Chiefs bandwagon or are you on the Bucks bandwagon? I am going to go with the Chiefs. Now, I know it's always hard to bet against Tom Brady, and he is the GOAT by, by all accounts. But I think the Chiefs just have too many weapons offensively, um, and I think they would win in the shootout if it came to that. Um, I think the Packers had him on the ropes for a little while there, but, I mean, when you turn the ball over, you know, you give Tom Brady, you know, the ball at the end, and, and you don't go for it on fourth down. But that's neither here nor there. But – um, I think the Chiefs pulled this one out uh, this weekend um, in a very good game um, this weekend as well. You know, I I, I want to, for the sake of the show, disagree with you and say, why are you betting against the GOAT, Tom Brady? But <laughs> actually, I do agree with you, man. I, I think the Chiefs are just way too explosive. Um, they're they're kind of like the NFL version of what Bama was this year and what LSU mm-hmm. was last year. They just they just overwhelm you and they can score so quickly. They did that to the Bills. They did that to um, everybody they played against, just about except for the last you know third or fourth of the season when they just kind of shut it down and hit in cruise control. When they're on, 
they're on. And uh, I have no reason to believe that they won't be. So uh, my question to you now is when you bet for Super Bowl, are, are you a, are you a props guy? Do you like betting on props? Um, I, I haven't had the chance to bet on props, so I think I'm going to uh, take a look at that um, on Bet Online this week, too, and see what they got going on. It, it's overwhelming, dude. There's, there's like, I think there's 10 props for just the national anthem. Oh, dang. <laughs> so, like, you can bet on if any player kneels, you can bet on if anyone raises their fist, if anyone uh, scoring, any, any scoring drive is less time than the anthem. Oh, wow. I mean, they they, they got this thing figured out for real. His first coach shown during the national anthem. uh, (laughs) Forget or omit a word. You can can bet on that if someone leaves that out. Uh, Jasmine Sullivan shows cleavage during the anthem. Ooh. That's an actual line. Okay. Um, Yes is minus 165. So I guess, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's, you know, means that she's going to show a bunch of cleavage. Um, the the length of it, the over under is a minute fifty seven. Um, so you go under, it's minus one thirty. You go over, it's minus one ten. So I guess you know you just play that as part of Man, a parlay. They for, they got it figured out, boy. They got everything on there. Hey, there's two more player for uh, the first player to be shown during the anthem. Uh, there's actually, uh, oh wow, yeah. And there's actually two sections of it. Like you can either bet on uh, Tom Brady or Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. What? And and it's two separate bets. So like you can say, you know, Tom Brady and Travis Kelsey. And if and I think you win the bet if Tom Brady, like if you bet on Tom Brady and it, it shows Tom Brady, oh. but it shows like Travis Kelsey first. Or I don't know how that one works. I'm I'm gonna stay away from that line. So um, I think they're definitely gonna show Tom Brady first. So I'm not going to read all of these lines to you or all of these props because there's probably hundreds of them in these folders, first half, second half, commercials, specials, halftime, first half, second half, all kind of props. So Tampa Bay is the first team in history to play for the title on their home field. They do not get to fire the Cannons. Is currently a three-and-a-half-point underdog against Kansas City looking back to back titles for the first time in almost two decades, uh, we made our pick there. We're both uh, we're both doing the tomahawk chop and, and picking the Chiefs. Bet Online has hundreds of props on the game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem, which obviously we just discussed. So, always available online or on your mobile device. Visit Bet Online today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So uh, that was an interesting read. Uh, That's probably the most like. That was probably the most informative read that we've ever done for Bet Online. So, yeah, I'm gonna head yeah, on there. I might do, a, yeah, I might do, a, I might do a Super Bowl parlay or, or a couple. Of, I might do like a, like a, like a game pick and then like a parlay of of props and and just yeah. you know, just just see where it gets me. I mean, you know, I might be able to pay <laughs> off my house or I might just lose ten dollars. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> we'll see. I know. We'll see. So, uh, Israel, the title of this show is "The Dogs Are on a Roll," which. Um, after signing day, after what basketball is doing, um, and after the hires we made in the on the staff and the raises that these guys got, and and the fact that uh, Keely Ringo was clocked at 22 miles an hour in a recent workout uh, where they're doing, I guess, a bunch of measurements, um, it, it's it's really a, a great time to be a dog right now. So let's talk basketball. So George is on a two, George has won two games in a row. What is that? 
That is called a winning streak. A winning streak, yes. And most recently, they got their revenge on Auburn. If you if you remember uh, from a few shows ago, we talked about how disappointed we were. Auburn came in here and just totally demolished us, beat us by 30, um, 95-77 three weeks ago to be exact. Um, but Georgia's now, they got their revenge. Uh, they with a 91-86 victory over the Auburn Tigers that moves that pushed the overall record to 11 and six. That gets us closer to 500 now at four and six in conference. Um, it's the second road win of the year, so uh, it's uh, you know it was it was a game where I, I think we finally started to kind of figure some things out. I think these guys are growing up a little bit and playing well together. Uh, Ty Fagan led the led the charge with 16 points. Uh, Tamani Kamara with 15. PJ Horn and Severe Wheeler with 13 uh, apiece. KD Johnson with 12. Justin Keir with 11. And Andrew Garcia, uh, the the number one bench player, uh, had also uh, made it seven players in double figures as he mm-hmm. uh, he almost made it seven players with double figures, finishing with nine. Kamara had 12 rebounds as well to to complete a double double. So a lot of a lot of great stats going on. They shot impressively, forty three point eight percent from three point range, which I guess the launch threes. Uh, I guess they were hot on that last night. Uh, they out rebounded the Tigers forty to thirty two, something that they needed to work on. And then they also looks like they've been practicing free throws. They were eighteen of twenty four from the line. So uh, a lot of great things happening for the dogs uh, in, in a bunch of categories, in a bunch of stat categories that they desperately desperately needed to uh, to improve and of course over the weekend got a got a huge win against Ole Miss so uh, the dogs are rolling man what what did you notice from this game what what stood out to you man I just noticed that they they never uh left it uh, got their foot off the pedal uh, um, they 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 big on Auburn um in the beginning and, and just kept rolling and that, and that's what we needed you know you as you can see as you read out all the points from the guys we got contributions from everybody from the starting five, the guys coming off the bench, everybody contributed, you know, whether they were scoring points, rebounds, you know, things like that. And we got 18 extra points stealing just from shooting free throws, you know. So and that's what we got to do, you know. Like, like we said in, in the earlier show, you know, we're small. We're still gelling, you know, as a basketball team. But that that was a great team effort, great team win. You can see the improvement. And that carried over to the next game against Ole Miss. And we got another, got another win and close to 500. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, one of the things I was also impressed with is uh, we were able to convert 24 layups and racking up 52 of the 91 points in the paint. So we're doing a better job at the rim. And uh, judging from Coach Crean's comments, you know, uh, ball movement, back cuts, guys getting in space and and just moving around and creating problems for the for the defense the the whole stand around and watch somebody shoot a three-pointer days i guess tom green figured that was enough and then he was one of those guys to move and and they did and and it was it was great they were able to cut through the defense and either get an open look at a three or get to the rim and uh, and convert a layup or uh something something to that regard and and either convert the layup or get fouled go to the line and 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 create that way so i was impressed exactly. by I'm a lot of the movement you. oh yeah i'm telling you, i don't i don't know if they even listen to our podcast or anything or any basketball fans do but i'm telling you, that sounds like everything we've been talking about they need to do and i'll be dog if they don't come out and do it and i mean i'm i was very impressed with that auburn win after coming out and the first game and, and getting beat the way we did and they come out this game and, and pretty much dominate the whole entire game against a very good auburn team was very impressive and and kudos to, to the coaching staff for 
keeping those guys together and, and keeping them going and, and fixing some things. And that's what happens. You know, the goal, like I said, um, we're, we, didn't hit, we didn't hit the panic button. And the goal was to get better and better each game. And the last two games have showed that we've gotten better and better. And sky's the limit now, you know. And as long as we're, we keep getting better, we keep getting competitive. I mean, Georgia basketball, men's basketball is going to be right there pecking, on, pecking at, the, at Alabama as we move forward. No doubt. And uh, I, I think the also the goal for Tom Crean is if he can com- convince Tamani Kamara that every team is Auburn, like make him for f- somehow <laughs> visualize uh, the other team, no matter who it is. I mean, it, it, could, it could be Gonzaga or it could be uh, Tiff County High School. doesn't matter. Picture them in, a, in an Auburn uniform because he is uh, – he had 12 points uh, back in their first meeting against them. I think he was the lone bright spot in that blowout. And then he had 15 points uh, the, this past game. He was 5 of 9. Uh, he had 12 rebounds, a double-double. He was 4 of 4 from the line. Um, so I, I think just ha- just have him say, okay, um, you know, scoring-wise, you're playing against Auburn, so go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – and then double-doubles uh, – Kamara and Severe Wheeler have uh, have five each this season, uh, so that's uh, you know that that's crazy. Uh, I think the uh, there's a stat with two Georgia Bulldogs with five plus double doubles in a season since 1979. Uh, you had 7980 with Terry Fair and Levon Mercer. Terry Fair had 14 double doubles. Uh, Dominique Wilkins had seven in 1980-81 season, uh, and then we go. We don't get another one until 1991, 10 years later, with Claxton, Charles Claxton at six and Kendall Ryan at, at six. And then uh, it's very, very sporadic after that. Uh, the most recent this year with Kamara and Wheeler. So um, a, lot of, a lot of interesting stats being – a lot of barriers uh, being broken. Um, Severe Wheeler now is tied for 14th on the all-time Georgia assist list. Um, 31 games with 139 assists right there. Uh, and, and of course, as I mentioned, Georgia had six players score on, in double digits this past Tuesday. Um, it was the second time the Dogs had had that many in a game this season. Um, they scored; they had six players score at least ten points against Jacksonville. So not exactly the not exactly the cream of the crop there, but uh, you know, some some crazy things going on. But it's obvious they're either listening to us or someone is is getting to them, or Coach Crean is just. I don't know. Maybe he's back from vacation. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's just. I think they're just. Fi- they're they're finding their stride. You know, um, yeah. this is a young team. Um, this is a, team a lot of that, transfers you know, too. Exactly, and due to COVID and with everything going on, they hadn't really had a chance to gel and you know figure out what each, what each other does well. And we're starting to see, you know, once in basketball, it's not like football. You know, football everybody's usually together. You know, during basketball they get there a little bit later. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you're not working together in basketball, all five of those guys on the court have to have to gel together, you know. So and you have to figure out each other's strengths. So I mean, I think like right now, um, I think they're starting to figure everything out. At least that that's what it looks like. And like I said, each week is is to get better. You might not win the game, you know. We always don't look for more victories, but I mean, if you're if you're being competitive and you're getting better and better each week, you know, as a Georgia men's basketball team, I mean that that's great, and that, and that's what you're looking for. That sets you up for the next game and the year after that and the year after that. And I think Coach Crean is starting to figure that out. And I think the guys are starting to figure that out. And it finally showed these last two games against Auburn and and Ole Miss. Exactly. And so um, up next for Georgia is Vanderbilt. uh, And that game is actually 
Uh, it the the game time was moved in that from, I think it was yeah one to six p.m. So tip off for Saturday is now at six p.m. Uh, against Vanderbilt. It was originally uh, a one o'clock game, but they have uh they have changed that tip off. So um, just be mindful of that. Vanderbilt over in the conference. I think the last time I talked to Vanderbilt, we had a big commitment. So you want to talk Vanderbilt basketball so we can get another five star? <laughs> Uh, yeah. we, we, we might need to. Yeah. And if you look on our social we media account, know. yeah. If you look on our social media account, I was actually saying, commenting on how they were going to go winless in conference in both the major sports, uh, men's <laughs> basketball and football. And just then you, you, you interrupted me and you said, Oh my God, Gunnar Stockton just committed. And that, <laughs> and that post got almost 10,000 views. So, uh, those 10,000 people come on back, come on back, come on back. I know. Right? Go, go and hit that subscribe button while, while you're at it too. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's uh, and uh, other other basketball news. Uh, the uh, or yeah, other other sports news. I should say, not just basketball, but uh, Georgia baseball uh, practice preseason practice is underway. So that season is is upon us and and, and rapidly approaching. So I look forward to the to seeing what they uh, what they can do uh, in that regard. Um, Georgia. Women's basketball takes on Alabama tonight. Uh, Georgia at thirteen and four, Bama at twelve and four. That'll be a good one for uh, Coach Joni Taylor and her bunch. Uh, so we we'll, we'll can see if uh, see if the 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 Lady Dogs are uh, can continue to uh, to roll. So um, their last game, unfortunately, um, after the Arkansas game, they're on a two game skid, uh, losing to LSU and losing to Texas A and M. Uh, sixty to forty eight recently to A and M and LSU sixty to fifty two. So they they got to get back on track. That that's it. You know, I, I the, the women's basketball team I don't worry too much about because I mean they they just they just hit a little hit a little lull. I think they, I think they'll get it back um against Alabama tonight and and those girls will keep keep riding that wave like they've been doing. Yeah, they're gonna have to figure out how how to uh, contain Jasmine Walker. She's Alabama's lead, leading scorer and rebounder at 20 points per game and 10 boards a game. So she's averaging a double-double. Uh, Jenna Stady, I'm glad I got that name right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know where I got the other pronunciation from, but Jenna, if you're listening, uh, I uh, forgive me. She averages 14.3 points a game and 7.5 and rebounds uh, a game as well. She leads the dogs in both categories. Um, Connolly, uh, she is the biggest threat from beyond the arc. She is uh, she leads the team in in made threes per game. She drills one point eight three pointers per contest. She is thirty nine percent on the season. That's great. So uh, for Georgia, they just got to find their groove. For the Lady Dogs, they got to find their groove. They got to run again. They got to you know it, they they're uh, they're very successful when they when they go beyond their average points per game. Uh, of 71.6 when they reach the 67 point mark to be exact they're 13 and 0 on the year so if they can just score and score and score and get in a rhythm they will be fine so uh, that's it they they just got to find their stride again i mean we we talk about the ladies basketball team and how good they are you know and just like you know most teams do you know they hit a little lull in between there and, you know, you don't like to see it, but it happens. It's, it's sports. You know, other team has really good players, too, because they recruit. So, you know, it's just ladies, just get back to what you're doing, get back to the basics, and they'll be fine. 
No doubt. No doubt. So uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to shift gears. I uh, want to introduce you to this company, Just Live. Uh, Travis Pastrana, Clay Thompson, and Alex Morgan teamed together to film, or not to film, but to, to found a, a wellness company uh, that specializes in CBD. So enjoy. All right. Welcome back. It is National Signing Day uh, was uh, was yesterday. Uh, really good day for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, really good signing period overall. Finished with a top five class uh, in the country. Uh, lots of big name recruits. Most of them came in in uh, in December, and that's okay. Uh, we can, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a great. So we had, I think, uh, actually sixth overall with twenty commits, uh, twenty signees. So that's uh that's a good that's a good haul for us. Uh, but the biggest news of the day came from getting five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander, uh, who is lives up to his nickname, uh, literally literally and figuratively. Uh, he committed uh, to the University of Georgia yesterday on National Signing Day. He's a 2022 uh, defensive tackle, 6'4", 320-pound uh, defensive tackle, to be exact, out of Denton, Texas. So that gives us him and Tyree West. Coach Trey Scott is He's building a monster there uh, at, at defensive yeah, tackle. He is doing a great job, and and like we talked about before the show, I mean, coach Coach Smart's very smart. Um, he knows that they're going to be young on the back end, at, le- at least this year and going into next year. Um, so he is building a monster up front with with his front seven, and and that is very very smart idea. And with Tyree Rest coming in and Bear, I mean, when, it, when a kid has a name like Bear, and he looks the part. You know that he's a baller, and he committed yesterday. And I mean, sky's the limit for 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 that for that front seven. And I can't wait to see these guys when they get there. I know early rankings don't really mean much in, on on uh, recruiting, but currently, uh, with with that commitment, gives us the number one class in the country. So, um, just looking at these recruits, I mean, uh, on on early signing period, we talked about a lot of these guys. Uh, not much has changed um, as far as who are expecting to uh, who are expecting to j- uh, jump in the fold. I, I think uh, losing Terion Alexander uh, or Terion Arnold, I should say, not Alexander, uh, is uh, you know I thought he could come in and, and uh, couldn't contribute early, but I, I think I'm excited about this class nonetheless. I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of guys, especially heavy on the on the defensive backs, that they're and they're going to come in and I think they're going to contribute. We said that back in uh, back in December when we talked recruiting. I still hold to that. I think these uh, I think these secondary guys are are vital, especially especially Nylon Green. Uh, I, I think he's mm-hmm. going to be the I think he's going to be the premier guy of this class. Kamari Lassiter is going to be somebody that that's going to contribute a lot. And and just the thing I noticed is that these guys are. They're taller now. They're they're bigger. They're taller. They're they're you know they're longer athletes, and and I think you need that in the secondary. Exactly with with the the Alabamas of the world, and we're playing Clemson the first game of the season. That's what you need now. You're, you're starting to find defensive backs are getting bigger. They're they're taller guys. Um, they're, they're bigger guys. They're just receivers that that are playing corner. And that's what you want. Guys with great footwork, uh, great ball skills, great great hand eye coordination. So. Um, you know, we got our work cut out of us because they're inexperienced, yes, but the athletic ability, you can't take away from them. So all you got to do now is just teach them the fundamentals and technique, and you throw them out there, I mean, and they just let athletic their athletic ability take over. And, you know, with us being young, 
and things like that. I mean, and, and that's what you want. You don't, and you want smart guys as well. And I've seen Nylon Green play, and that kid is very, is very good at what he does. And I think um, this season, I think he'll be contributing early, if not starting his first game against Clemson. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, I mean, these guys are going to contribute, man. They're going to get thrown to the, they're going to get thrown to the wolves, and you know, I, and and I'm all for it, man. I'm I'm happy to see these guys. That I think they can compete. I I don't, I don't think Kirby would have, would have signed them otherwise. So let let's talk wide receiver. I, I think that uh, with the signing class we brought in last year at that position, those guys all have contributed in a major way. Uh, even Arian Smith, who missed just about the entire season. Uh, outside of the lab, I think he came back to the South Carolina game. Uh, he contributed mm-hmm. with a few big catches, but you could see his potential um, as he kind of got himself back into playing shape. Uh, then uh, Marcus Roseme had a few big games early on before destroying his leg against Florida. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know Burton, Jermaine Burton was was the the standout. He was a he was the favorite target of of both Stetson Bennett and J T. Daniels. He was uh, he, he's a guy that from the slot position just I mean he just was all over the place man and and he was he was great and contributed everywhere he he did and and we still got um Jackson and we still got uh Pickens too coming back so I mean our our receiving core is going to be very 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 good uh we got we got a stable quarterback coming back and that that's always important going going to a year um uh post-covid um so I mean we're Offensively, we're good. I mean, offensive line, we got we got some great guys up front. We got some guys that stayed and kept, and that are coming back. And we always know that we're always going to have a stable running back. So, um, offensively, I, I think that we're going to be able to be dynamic, explosive, and we're going to be able to put up some points to kind of help that defense um, in the long run. Because defense is going to struggle for a little bit, especially against teams that can throw the ball. Um, but, you know, we got some, we got some great guys and some athletic guys on defense and having an offense that can – hold on to the ball and put up points is is, is very beneficial uh, when you have a young defense. Yeah, and I, you know you hit the nail square on the head. So of these receivers uh, coming in, you have Adonai Mitchell, and let me let me pull this list back up. I'm kind of clicking all around here. Uh, you have Jackson Meeks from Phoenix City, um, and you have Adonai Mitchell from Nashville, and then. That's it as far as wide receivers. We only only took two in this class, which is fine. We got a lot of depth there. Of those two guys, which one do you think will uh, make more of an impact this season as a freshman? Um, probably the guy from uh, the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix City kid. Um, they, they play some really good football. They're just across the border here in Georgia um, and Alabama close to Columbus. Um, and, and they play a lot of Georgia teams, and, they, and that is a really good league um, in Phoenix City. So um, I think he'll come in and, and, and contribute early. Um, but you know you can you never count anybody out. Um, the kid from Nashville is very good. I, I watched him, uh, watched his highlight tape uh, just yesterday, and and I think he better come in and and do some great things too. Um, the main thing is just is making sure you, you keep these kids positive, you know, because every kid that signs a college scholarship wants to play right now. Sometimes you know it doesn't work out like that, especially with the talent that we have coming back. Um, so you just want these guys to come in, learn what to do, and compete, and you just never know what happened. We've already seen that coaches aren't scared to put freshmen out there. You know, we're, we're not scared of competition. We, we want you to go out there. We want you to ball out, you know, but you have to make it up in your mind. That's what you want to do. Um, and remember that this is a team game. You know, you, you're, you're going to get yours, but you just got to know what to do, how to do it, and, and everything else to take care of itself. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you 100%. I think Meeks is probably a little bit more college ready than Adani Mitchell is um, because I think just what, what Cane Ridge High School here in Nashville, what they needed out of Mitchell was probably, you know, they they just saw him as, as a shot guy. I don't, I don't know that his route tree is refined as it needs to be. He'll he'll have to come in and do some work in preseason camp, and he'll be a guy that works his way up the depth chart, maybe contributes on special teams and uh, things like that. Jackson Meeks, watching him, uh, I, I just think he's a little bit more college-ready. That's not a knock on Mitchell because they're both four-star guys, um, and they have different skill sets. And I think what, what we'll, we will need Jackson Meeks' skill set more so than Adani Mitchell. Uh, also, what I really like is signing Brock Bowers at tight end. Um, 6'4", 220 kid out of Napa, California. Uh, at, at once, it was once thought that we were going to get Eric Gilbert, um, the the transfer from LSU. But come to find out, we have Brock Brow- Brock Bowers. That's a tongue twister. We have Brock Bowers right. on the roster to go along with uh, to go along with Darnell Washington and uh, and then John Fitzgerald as well. So I think we got a pretty good tight end room. I don't think we're going to miss Eric Gilbert too, too much. Uh, so, you know, Washington really came on at the tail end of the season. We said all along, uh, he looks like LeBron. He looked like LeBron James coming in. Uh, he got in coach Sinclair's weight program for, for a season or as much of it as he could given the COVID situation. That kid is going to be a monster when they can finally get back to a normal schedule, which Georgia's already back working out now. So I'm excited to see kind of some of these early enrollees and then some of these, uh, uh, you know, from from the last signing class, who didn't really get like a full authentic uh, training program to see what they're like with a year, a full year under their belt in the strength and conditioning program. So the tight end position to me is going to be really good. I'm excited about Brock Bowers. I'm I'm excited about it too. I mean, most most people don't understand as an offensive coordinator, you want a tight end. You want a tight end, one that you can flex out, one that you can put in line and make blocks and things like that. So. The dynamic of the tight end has changed from just the power eye, block down, kick out, and things like that. You have to have a tight end that's athletic, that can go and get the ball. You can put him on one-on-one situations, whether it's a linebacker or free safety and things like that. And, I mean, with Washington, I mean, you can put him on anybody. You yeah. know, and would have been nice to have Gilbert, of course. But with Gilbert, you know, he was, he wanted to go somewhere where he could play right now. And right now, with Florida um, lo- losing uh, their, t- their top tight end, I think that's – that, that was appealing to him, and, and uh, congratulations to him on, on his new school, and, and I hope he does well. But, you know, we can't worry about that. we got to worry about the guys we got. we got some really good ones. The kid from California, I mean, I love everything about him. You know, now you get those two tight end sets where you got two dynamic guys that can go out there and catch the football. You know, you exactly. got a guy at 6'7 going out there. You got another one that's, what, like 6'5 right behind him, Yeah, you know, that you have to atone for. So, I mean, use, using the, the usage of the tight end in the SEC is, is, is huge. And, and look at Alabama. I mean, they have a tight end that can run a dang four five, you know, and he's like six four. Yeah, know? so that, that's what scary. you're looking for. Yeah, you're, I, you're looking at a wide receiver that that's just a bigger body. So I mean, it's it's great to see. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, you know, I I think it's somebody that's dynamic and can do well with space. Uh, I, I think that, and he and he's a better inline blocker too. I think, and so he, he's kind of a kid that can do do a lot of different things. I mean, he's not going to be he's not going to be the athlete that Kyle Pitts is, but I mean, looking at his highlights, man, if you look at the first play of his highlights here on Rivals.com, which is actually his huddle reel, the dude like lines up as a wide receiver, runs a runs a delayed slant, kind of like a 
kind of like a, a pick route where you have two fades going and he comes up underneath it. He catches it. Mm-hmm. He pulls away from some people. So, exactly. you know, it, it, it's, you know, the, the thought of the big, slow space eating tight end, that's kind of over. You know, I, I think you're getting a kind of a new wave of tight ends that are a little bit leaner, uh, can run. And some of these guys are, you know, obviously are better blockers than others. But, you know, I, I think that, he does bring that element to the table, and I think Darnell Washington is, is becoming a better blocker as well. And, of course, you know Darnell Washington didn't get on the field a lot or as much as you would think he did because Trey McKitty was somebody that came in as a grad transfer, and, and he really contributed when, when he was healthy. And he was just named the top tight end prospect uh, in the Senior Bowl. Now, obviously, exactly. Kyle, obviously Kyle Pitts is not in the Senior Bowl uh, because he's not a senior, but you know at that game, that's a pretty high honor. Um, and, and so I, I think it's, you know, the tight end position has been well, well thought of since Todd Hartley took over. Um, and, and you're seeing a lot of, a lot of production there. So uh, I'm excited for that. And of course, I'm excited for the offensive lineman, Amarius Mims. I think he can come in and contribute. I, I think he's got just as good of a shot as any of these other guys at the right tackle spot. Um, you know, Jamari Sawyer coming back from at left tackle that obviously, um, brings a lot of experience to that position. So it's going to be a battle at that tackle spot. We have a lot of great depth um, at that position. Then you have uh, Micah Morris coming in from from Camden. And you also have um, Dylan Fairchild coming in from, um, let me see the high school here. He's coming in from West Forsyth. Um, as a as a guard, mm-hmm. so he's going to fill one of those guard positions. Uh, hopefully, you, you you like to think, and then uh, Cedric Van Pran uh, looks to be the favorite at center. So the offensive line is in great shape now too, despite losing Ben yes, Cleveland and Justin Schaefer's coming right. back. So you exactly, got, the, you got the some kid experience. from Camden is exactly the kid from Camden. I watched him play when they played Parkview. This kid played both sides of the ball, defensive tackle, um, and he played some guard and uh, tackle on offense. And I mean, he played the entire game. I think he had an inj- a, a small injury. Um, he had a knee injury or something, but he never came out the game. And the way that this kid moves is absolutely phenomenal. And I think he'd be able to contribute as soon as he gets there, you know, whether it be guard, whether it be tackle. So, I mean, he's a big, beautiful kid too. Yeah. You know, so, um, I know, think have, he'll be an interior heavy belly, Exactly. Having those heavy bellies up front that can move people. You know, create holes for, for our backs and and create protection for our for our quarterback to get the ball off. Um, I mean that that's very important. And and getting guys with with size and with experience and things like that. I mean, it is is great great job by recruiting, um, by our recruiting staff and by the coaches of, of staying in contact with these guys, especially during COVID. And I mean, kudos to the coaches because I mean during COVID there was there was no no visits, no at home visits or anything like that. Basically, just Zoom calls and and talking to them on Twitter and things like that. So um, I think our coaches staff did a great job of staying in contact with these guys and making sure that they stayed dogs. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, it, was, it was probably one of the best recruiting jobs since uh, since he came in in 2016 and finished with the ninth overall class. So um, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited about the uh, – about the, the the future of this uh, of this position, uh, this class I think is going to be just as good as any. Got a lot of great linebackers as well. Uh, I want to talk about a few other classes. Uh, do you remember talking about Auburn? They finished four, they finished forty third. That was three spots behind the Kansas Jayhawks. Oh man! But here's the thing, though they they waited so long to make a coaching move and things like that. And yeah. uh, Coach Harson had Coach Harson had to come in and get his staff together and, 
You know, they just lost T. Will to Miami, who's a very, very good recruiter. Yeah, dang good that linebacker was, coach as that well. Was, that was a that was a bad choice. So I mean, it it's it's one of those things where all right, we got our staff in now. Now this next year, you kind of got to rebuild and and roll. But I mean, you know, Auburn's Auburn. I think they'll be back to you know getting the guys that they need and that they want. But I mean, when you make a coaching change that late, and and you got to understand the, these kids, you know, although they love the school, they love the, their position coaches. And I mean, when you get rid of a guy like you know T. Will, you know, and I don't know if Coach Garner's there, Coach. And, no, he's not. You, know, you get rid of a guy like Coach G, yeah, you know, Coach who, who is there. an Auburn alum, you know. So, I mean, it's like, man, well, what are you doing? You think, what are you doing? But in order to change the culture, you know, sometimes those things have to happen and you hate it. And I know those guys have bounced back and do well. But, you know, kid, kids love their position coaches. You know, I, I love Coach Eason and Coach Ball and Coach Bubble and all those guys. So, I mean, had they left, you know, it might have been a different story for me as well. So, you know, and that's what you got to think about, especially when you're coming in as a new coach. and what's going on and how, how they communicate with players and things like that. So, you know, they'll, they'll be back and they'll be fine. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so you look at winners, um, you know, uh, you know, Adam Gorney uh, and the rivals recruiting staff, obviously they put together the list of the, uh, the winners and the losers um, for, for Auburn to finish with that 43rd class, they're actually considering that a win. Um, so considering the fact they made a change so late, uh, and the fact that they couldn't go out on the road and recruit, uh, they still finished, uh, keeping, uh, Tarvis Dawson, uh, Juwan Gatston, um, and beating out the 78th ranked, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks, uh, Georgia, they're considering a win Kentucky. They're considering winners on signing day. They signed, uh, Trevin Wallace, uh, the four-star linebacker was their premier guy, uh, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Ole Miss—they're considering winners. So they're saying all the most of the SEC schools uh, finished really well. And USC uh, getting Corey Foreman, Damani Jackson, Fabian Ross, and uh, Rayshon Davis. Uh, then again, uh, here's the losers: Michigan State, uh, LSU, uh, losing out on Logan Diggs, uh, losing out on Cole. Lord uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, Nebraska, you hate to see it for uh, for Scott Frost. It's going south in a hurry uh, for him. Yeah. So uh, those are a few of the losers. Of course, South Carolina, they finished 78th. I don't think anybody was shocked by that. Uh, and then, um, you know, Vanderbilt, I don't even know where they finished. But um, here's the, here's the, uh, the final team rankings. Alabama, number one. Ohio State, Oregon, A&M. LSU and Georgia uh, rounding out the top six, which I don't know how they considered LSU losers in that article. I think it's kind of backwards. Um, Clemson, USC, Michigan, and Notre Dame finished out the top 10. Florida finishing just outside uh, of the top 10. Some noticeable people um, in the top 20. You have Miami at 12, Wisconsin at 14, uh, North Carolina at 15, Tennessee still finished 17th ahead of Ole Miss. Uh, Nebraska finished 19th, so uh, for all the failures they had, they still did. They still finished 19th. Maryland coming in at 20. Missouri at 21. Mississippi State finishing with a top 25 class. We didn't think that was possible. And Arkansas finishing with a top 25 class. So outside of the top 25, I think Florida State sits there at 28. That's surprising in a bad way. 
Um, then you have Vanderbilt at 34. Uh, just ahead of them at 33 is Kentucky, and I think that's – and then Auburn at 43, Georgia Tech at 48, and I think uh, you have to scroll all the way down to 78th. Uh, there's a there's a three-way tie at 78 with South Carolina, Jackson State, and App State. And, of course, finishing dead last, I guess they only ranked 100 teams, uh, finishing dead last is East Carolina. So anything stand out with, with, those, uh, with those final rankings? This is rankings according to Rivals.com. Uh, no, uh, I mean, with, with everything that, that kind of went on with COVID, those guys couldn't get out and recruit like they wanted to. And I mean, you know, you got, you got to understand that the top, the top 10 are the ones that kids want to go to. They want to win championships and things like that. So, um, you look at it, you know, rankings are just rankings. These kids still have to come in and produce, um, and do a job, job for that, for their team. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those wait and see what happens, you know, rankings are rankings. They, they just put them on and let people talk about it. And, you know, you just wait and see what those guys can do because that three-star guy can end up being a baller and, you know, and, and do great things for his university. So we'll just wait and see when this season comes up. Hopefully we get to have a spring, um, those early signees, and they get to have a normal offseason. Um, so they got, those guys get to come in and, and see, what, see where they contribute and things like that. So congratulations to all the signees and congratulations to all universities. Um, and now it's time to go to work. It's time yeah. to go to work. Absolutely, and uh, <coughs> as I almost die, um, they uh, there was some there were some rumors. A and M actually got himself a great running back, L J Johnson, uh, four star kid. Um, he committed to them over uh, Longhorns, LSU, and Oklahoma. Huge in state grab for for A and M. Um, so I, I think that seeing Isaiah Spiller's success kind of bolstered that position a little bit. So. That kind of well, the fact that A and M is now like as quickly as they flipped around because last year it was it was thought that they're going to try to figure out how to buy out Jimbo Fisher. Now they finished on the cusp of a of a playoff, and now they're flipping four star recruits from LSU, Oklahoma, and Texas uh, for in state kids. Now they're becoming the premier program in state uh, in the state of Texas and they're finishing with a top five recruiting class. So I'm kind of surprised at, at A&M overall, uh, just how not that they could do it. Cause they've always had that potential. Just as just the speed in which they did it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it, it just goes to your body of work. I mean, outside of this year, you know, Texas A&M has been basically just mediocre. And like you just stated, you know, they're trying to figure out how can we get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Then this year he turns around. He was basically a win away from being in the playoff, you know. So as long as they keep progressing and keep doing well, um, Jimbo, Jimbo keep getting guys. And to be in Texas, I think Georgia has the best football, in my opinion, then Texas and then Alabama. You know, and that's just because I'm a Georgia guy and I see it all the time. But, you know, to, to win your state and to keep guys that are in your state home, and Texas has some really, really good football. Um, and to keep those guys in-state and at your university, I mean, is, is a big key. And I think they're starting to figure that out. And I think once they really take hold of, of the state of Texas, I think they're going to be really, really dangerous here soon. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's just odd to see any sort of – any SEC team really out of the top 30. Um, but I think some of these some of these guys that, that flipped uh, their coaches uh, actually had a – pretty pretty good day um 
they got uh, South Carolina got Ladarian Craig. Um, he was a three star kid that they didn't offer him until early last week, and, and he uh, he committed. Tennessee pulled a three star JUCO offensive lineman Jer- uh, Jeremiah Crawford uh, this past mm-hmm. Wednesday. So uh, a literally big piece to their puzzle uh, after losing Wanya Morris and transfer to uh, Oklahoma and losing Trey Scott to the NFL. So um, Vanderbilt they uh, they. Got a few guys to stick around. Three-star linebacker uh, Michael Mincy uh, being that one guy that that thought was going to be flipping to Auburn to to follow Derek Mason. He stayed with uh, he stayed with Vanderbilt. So uh, lots of lots of surprising things in uh, in in the SEC and and recruiting is is always that way. If you follow recruiting, it twists and turns uh, like the most twisted roller coaster at Six Flags. Exactly, and you know what's going to happen now. Um, one of my receivers here uh, from God also signed with with uh, Jackson State um, and Lee County, who has been a nat- who has become a national power. Uh, Byron Hobson um, ended up signing with Jackson State too. So now you got the transfer portal and all that stuff going on. You also have to look at these HBCUs who are coming in as well that are going to start getting these kids. And I mean, for for a kid to go to Jackson State, I mean that that is a four star kid says a lot to what Deion Sanders is putting into that program, what he's doing. And you got to understand these coaches are going to start figuring it out. And then now it's going to get really good because you got all these schools competing for all these top players now. And it's going to be college football is going to be fun real soon and real fast. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, going back to Georgia's uh, staff, did a tremendous job of recruiting and, and, and really getting a lot of things done early, which, for Georgia fans, it's not really that exciting because you get your job done early and you're kind of just watching everybody else. And on the surface, that doesn't seem very exciting. But then you look at the list of guys that we got and, and some of the guys we got and a lot of the guys we got for 2022, it's exciting. And so a lot of these guys deserve raises, of course. Uh, and uh, oh, yeah. there's some big raises that were, that were announced, uh, most notably Dan Lanning was bumped from 1.2 to 1.7 annually. Um, he uh, he got rewarded for uh, turning down opportunities at University of Texas and probably some other ones as well. Um, running game coordinator and running backs coach Del McGee got a raise. He goes from eight hundred thousand uh, t- from six hundred twenty-five thousand. Uh, so he he's almost he's reaching a million. Uh, tight ends coach Todd Hartley will now uh, make four hundred fifty thousand. I don't know where he was. Uh, a year ago, but he's been raised. I think, to I think he was at like three hundred or something like that. And I mean, when these guys come in, they do a good job recruiting, and and you see their body of work and see the production they put on the field. You got to pay your coach. That's one thing I give Dabo Swinney. Dabo Swinney pays his assistants, and that's why they stick around so long. That mm-hmm. that that consistency of coaches, and if you pay them, they will stay, and then you will continue to get top recruits and top players because they know that stability is always there. Exactly, and I think I think Kirby Smart has taken note of that because uh, this is probably the most aggressive uh, round of raises that he's uh, given since he's been there, and this yeah. is probably the first time that we haven't had a significant turnover and uh, guys leaving for lateral positions and things like that. Uh, I think the only guy leaving was Charlton Warren for for mm-hmm. for an upgrade, which I mean nobody yeah. would blame him for that. Uh, the new coach, uh, defensive backs coach uh, Jamil Adai. Uh, we'll be making five hundred grand after coming over from West Virginia. No clue what he made at West Virginia, but that's got to be a bump in pay. And of course, uh, 
The worst kept secret in college football, uh, the new official defensive analyst, Will Muschamp, he may not, with this salary, he may never coach on the field again. He will be making <laughs> 300000 uh to be, Georgia will pay him 300000 annually to be the new defensive analyst, uh, in addition to getting the $13 million from South Carolina. So he may never coach again, and he may be okay yeah. with that. So um, I'm excited for these coaches. I'm excited for these guys. Uh getting huge raises, well-deserved, well-earned for all the work that they put in in the recruiting trail as well as on the field with developing the current roster. Uh, Kirby Smart obviously is learning uh, a few things each and every season. He learned from Ed Orgeron that I've got to hire a, a badass offensive coordinator so that I can mm-hmm. uh, so that I can score some points. Uh, check, he's done that with Todd Monken, and he's built down the line actually with Buster Faulkner as a, as a, as a quality control. Then, uh, you know, he realized, okay, well, how do, how do, how do you, how do you retain staff? Well, you, you pay him well. Dabo Sweeney exactly. pays him well. So he's, uh, he, he's made a commitment there as well. Um, you know, obviously re- uh, replacing some of the, the off the field staffers that come and go, uh, those guys come and go uh, year in and year out. That's, that's a, that's a normal thing. So uh, those guys get, get elevated to on the field roles. So uh, you're happy with that. So um, any thoughts on the staff uh, in anything, you know, anything that surprised you? I, I think that paying Dan Lanning is, is, was very smart. Cause you understand he's a young coach. Um, I think he's just about a year or two older than me. Um, he's a young coach, but he's already being held as, as one of the top coaches in, in, in the nation. You know, he, he was up for the D.C. job at Texas. He's been also named in the UCF job as well. So you, you were going to lose him one way or another. But I think uh-huh. they did a great job of keeping him there. I think he's happy being there. and You got to pay him. Um, and Coach McGee, I mean, he, as what he does is, is you, you can't top. You know, he, he, he's a great guy. He's been he's been in high school. So he, he knows the high school, high school level of, of getting kids and talking to kids. And he's been a great recruiter for us and, and especially managing that that room with so so many five-star guys and so much talent in that room he's done a great job of doing that and and just our our staff in, in general you know once you, like i said alabama well alabama changes coaches coaches like we change underwear but you know like with clemson you know we got vettables and, and coach elliott things like that you want guys if they're going to take a job you want them to take jobs where, where they're going up not a lateral move yeah you know what i mean and, and when you pay them and you got good assistance like that i mean you got you got to keep them you got to pay them and i think Debo does a great job and i think a lot of coaches are starting to see that so that's why you're seeing all of these new contracts and and more money being poured into because you have to keep good coaches at your program in order to be great no doubt and uh you know, you gotta you gotta pay those guys. You gotta get them on board. You gotta get them feeling good. You gotta create that great staff culture, which some guys do it really well, some guys don't. And uh, the Nick Saban Academy of Coaching, it's a very strenuous. He he does compensate you really well, uh, but the level of work you you come in, you grind for a year or two, and then and then you move on. Typically, uh, if you're down, you, you get back on your feet, and then you then you bolt for promotion. So, uh, cultures like Dabo's, where those guys don't want to leave, uh, they're comfortable, they have a great working environment, uh, and they're getting paid. Uh, places like Oklahoma that rarely lose coaches, uh, great staff culture, and then of course you have, <laughs> you know. Uh, places like Tennessee, who's looking for their third head coach in like the last five years. So, 
not a not not a great place. Uh, hopefully, Hypo will uh, provide some stability there. So, uh, I just thought that was interesting. On uh, I I thought that was interesting on the uh, the uh, what am I trying to, to just a just interesting talking point for for the off season. Um, one last thing before we go, uh, they uh, they clocked the fastest people at each position. Um, so who do you think would be the fastest running back? Ooh, I'm going to go with, I got to go with cook. On I, that think, one. I think you're right. I don't know his exact numbers. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. Uh, Arian Smith was the top, uh, wide receiver. Uh, the top DB was, uh, Keely Ringo at 22.3 miles per hour. Arian Smith with 21.9. Um, and I love that Ringo kid, man. I love him. I hope he, I hope he comes in. Uh, I hope he's healthy and comes in and, and really just, uh, gets after it. So, um, Nicobe Dean, fastest linebacker, uh, Adam Anderson, fastest outside linebacker, Trevon Walker, obviously the fastest defensive lineman. Um, and looking at Broderick Jones as the fastest offensive lineman. So, that could, that could pay some dividends. <laughs> and, belly, baby. You got to love it. Yeah, boy. Getting them in. <laughs> I'd like to see those numbers. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> five, 2018 five-star defensive back Brendan Radley-Hiles uh, from Oklahoma. He is in the portal. Mm, oh, yeah. That, I saw that yesterday. And um, I saw Coach Lincoln Riley talk about him. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the dynamic of what's going on with that, but that's another one. Um, that that's going to come in and wherever he goes is going to be very good. Cause I mean, he was basically the only person that didn't get thrown to, you know, his side, whenever he was covering people. So whoever picks him up, <clears throat> Georgia, um, you know, is going to be very, very pleased with, with what he does on the field. Yeah, no doubt. He had, uh, some stats he had from a year ago, 115 tackles, nine TFLs, 11 passes defended and three interceptions. So it means they didn't really attack him all that much in the passing game, but he was. And he's a, he's a very physical corner. You know, you yeah. got a hundred or something tackles at corner. Come on yeah. now. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's, he's going to stick his yeah. face in there. Yeah. He's not scared. Not one bit. So, um, Israel, any, any, uh, any last words? There's uh, I got a text alert while we were recording, uh, from our sponsor bet online. Uh, they're, they're offering two free, Super Bowl contest that are live uh, at Bet Online, uh, five hundred fifty or fifty five hundred dollars props and fifty five hundred dollars score predictors cash prizes play now. Are you going to join that? I'm going to join that. I think I am. That 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 sounds like something I can give you a part of right there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm still waiting on uh, Kansas City Stakes. If you're if you're if you're out there, I'm still waiting. Still still looking Man, at my I- front door. Um. <laughs> Still, still waiting. But uh, Israel, that's going to do it for us, man. Um, anything you want to leave us with? No. Uh, congratulations. Like I said at, at the beginning of the show, congratulations to all the guys that signed. Now, since signing day is over, now we now we concentrate on graduation. Make sure you know number one, stay out of trouble um, because that that's the one thing that that can hinder everything that you everything you've done can be taken away just just by doing something stupid. Um, and, and make sure you take care of your work in the classroom and graduate, and we can't wait to see you guys on campus. Absolutely. I, I echo that point 1,000%. Uh, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, Georgia basketball is on a roll. Check them out Saturday um, against Vanderbilt. Uh, not at 1 o'clock, but at 6 o'clock. 
A um, lot of great things afoot. Uh, again, if you want to join in, give us a give us a rating, uh, leave us a review, subscribe to our channel on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. Give us some feedback uh, at Believe in Dogs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at Troopstar Twenty Eight on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Coach Burton Thirty Six on on Twitter at Burton on Instagram. So find us, leave us some feedback, follow us, give us uh, give us a rating, subscribe, all of that good stuff. We are the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast presented by uh, betonline.ag on the Believe Podcast Network. For Israel, I'm Corey Burton. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back next time. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.